Hello and welcome to the Wood Floor Podcast, a podcast for flooring professionals, contractors, retailers, and anyone that's connected to the flooring industry. We deep dive into the lives of flooring professionals, new and old, contractors, meeting the big boss, and also experiences we found that may be valuable to you as a listener. Welcome to the Woodfloor Podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be chatting through the tried and tested methods of recruitment and how you can potentially recruit the right team. Now, it's probably worth saying at this stage that the construction industry on a whole has got a lack of skilled workers. Now, the ONS last year reported that there are approximately 400,000 skilled workers that are currently aged between 50 and 65 that are due to retire in the next 15 years. So with pipeline work um, that's coming up, the government has actually put out figures there to say that they think that by the time we get to 2025, this means that the construction industry needs approximately 40,000 extra additional workers per year. Now, the one sector um, that has got the highest requirement is actually the wood trade and interior fit out. They're estimating between about five and a half thousand new recruits each year. So it's quite important that we start looking at the different methods of recruitment and why that might be important. It's interesting, actually, if we go back maybe 10, 15 years ago, I think one of the biggest failures that we ever did was that we didn't recruit appropriately and we didn't really consider how best to scale the, the right team. One of the reasons for that is it was very reactive. You got too busy, so you needed somebody right now. It was almost counterproductive in one respect because we never really thought about things like values, things about finding the best fit, looking at the job description, how we interviewed and selected people. Now, over the last few years in particular, we have recruited our existing team using the value-based approach. Now, a value-based approach is very different to a traditional technique. We focus on hiring employees based on personal values, behavior, and beliefs that align with the values of our company or companies in, in our instance. We find that this way of recruiting ensures that we get the right retention. We have a positive work environment it also means that staff are more resilient to changes within the workforce. They are happier. They have a higher morale. So how do we go about this? So the first thing that we need to be looking at, if you're wondering how to actually recruit the right team, because I hear it every day. Oh, we can't find the right staff. People are lazy. They can earn more money by working at Amazon. It's true. Potentially people can. And if you've, if you've been in, in this industry for a long time, you'll probably realise, and I've said it before, that you generally don't leave school thinking, oh, I'm going to be a floor fitter or I'm going to be a flooring professional. Usually we come into this industry through no real choice, but it might be things like um, being onboarded from a family member. It might be a takeover from an, an older 
an older person, it might be a buyout, it might be that we've just fallen into it because you might have done work experience here and so forth. So we've got a real lack of skills that are coming into the to the sector from the very, very bottom. And that's quite concerning for a lot of people. So how do we recruit and train properly? So as I said, what we do is we start with our core values. So what are core values? If you haven't got these written down or you've never considered these before, it doesn't matter whether you are a sole trader, you're a part of a bigger organization, you are multi-team, whatever it might be, you should clearly define your core values. Now, what are core values? So core values are the standards that you hold yourself and your team to every single day. Every decision that you make should be filtered through the values of the business. They are your highest priorities, your deeply held beliefs. They are the driving forces that keep you moving forward with your business. And they are the single biggest component to teamwork, company culture and success. Without the values, a team or a group of individuals are bound to mistrust and dysfunction. So let me give you an idea of what core values are. So core values across our businesses are the same. And these are fundamentally at the heart of everything that we do. So um, we have, we are passionate, we're reliable, we're exceptional, we create happiness, we are consistent, we are accountable and we go all in. Those core values are literally at the heart of everything and to the point that they are actually printed in massive format on our office wall. These are the values that we use every single day to recruit and retain our staff. They are the values that we use when dealing with and servicing our clients and it's absolutely critical that these are bottomed out. So, you know, for example, if you had a core value of reliability, would you therefore hire somebody that was late for their interview? Well, you probably wouldn't. So by starting with the core values, it gives you the inside information, the inside knowledge on how or who you should be recruiting. Now, one of the things I'd also recommend is that don't um, recruit by firefighting. And by that, I mean, you suddenly realize that you're, you're understaffed and you need to hire somebody now. I would always recommend trying to hire somebody six months before you actually need them. It gives you the time, it gives you the flexibility, and it makes sure that you can hire appropriately and you keep going through the same process over and over again, through the interview and selection process until you find the right person. Now, Let's go through a way of being able to develop your core values. So the first thing you can do is you can brainstorm with your team members. So you can, if you've got a team, that is, if you're not, the best thing to do is to just do a brainstorm on a piece of paper, list down the things that are really, really important to you. A good way of doing this if you work on your own is actually to write down the things that really piss you off. Because if you, if you establish the things that really piss you off, usually the opposite of that is one of your values. So it could be that with being in a, a service industry, when somebody doesn't um, smile when they serve you in a shop, for example, that really gets on my way. You know, if somebody doesn't um, have service, I, I call it service with a smile. If you're in the service industry, you should provide a service with a smile with helpfulness and with positivity. 
there is nothing worse than a grumpy sales clerk. So start with writing down the things that really piss you off. If you are working on your own and you're a sole trader, write down the things that piss you off. It might be that somebody is really, really grinds on you when somebody turns up late. Okay, well, in that case, it might be that your one of your core values is reliability and always on time. The next thing to look at is, which is number two, is to look at what you are planning on doing as a whole within your business and how an actual core value may come out of that. So, for example, everybody must know or hear of um, Patagonia, the clothing brand. So they created a brand that was to have minimal environmental impact. So one of their core values is eco-friendly sustainability. The third thing that you should be doing is asking yourself a really important question. The really important question is, what behaviours or actions would the company value over profit? Now, we all know that profit is the one thing that a business is around for, but not always the case. So if there was something else, if there was a behaviour or action that you would value over profit, what could that be? So it could be if your values are hard work, open-mindedness, entrepreneurial spirit, it may be that your priority is to create a healthy work-life balance. The fourth thing that you need to consider is being specific. It, we see it too many, too many times that one of the things that we find within the construction industry as a whole, um, and especially with the people that we work with, they write down a lot of co uh, core values that they think their clients would expect them to be. And that is true for the most part. But if you gen genuinely aren't reliable, and you genu genuinely aren't consistent, then there's no point in putting them down because actually by then becoming inconsistent with your approach, it then just creates friction. So they have to be really truly at the heart of what you do. It might be that you want to consider people that you most admire, consider your experiences. By brainstorming this, you can identify any central themes. Usually it's a good place to start if you can get maybe 10 to 15 values written down, then you need to narrow it down. Another way that you could do is look to, look to your customers. If you ask and actively seek feedback from your customers, if they say you are trustworthy, maybe that's one of your core values. Look at the customer reviews that you've got. Incorporate what they are saying to you. Really look at the bigger picture. So then what happens when you've got 10 to 15 of these? You then need to narrow it down. An ideal kind of number would be around five. So if you've then got your five core values that you've now developed and you've now written down and you've got them down in, in paper, the next step would be to start looking at your recruitment. So the first thing that you need to do is create your job description. Now, a job description should have a accurate title. It really should have a strong attention grabbing summary it needs to include your location, clarity on the hours of work, where you are based, highlighting any day-to-day -day activities, include the salary, include any benefits that they have, and provide an application process and deadline. That is the general format of a job description. The one thing that I just missed is that within that job description, really, you should also be incorporating 
those core values. So if your core values are friendly and approachable, you may have to put in there in the job description, we are looking for a friendly and approachable senior manager. By using those buzzwords, you are saying from the onset who you are looking for and what kind of person you are looking for within this particular role. You may have noticed that when somebody applies for a job, sometimes it looks too good to be true on paper. And then when you get them in front of you, or if they turn up at all, that what they've actually said in their application or sent through in their CV or the covering letter actually is not representative at all from what's just turned up in front of you. I had somebody turn up once that said they were well-mannered and polite. I offered them a cup of coffee or a tea, can't remember which one, and they just said no. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I know thank you if you were polite and courteous, as simple as it sounds, would have been more beneficial in that instance. So there's a great difference of distinction between the values an, an individual describes him or herself as and how he or she practices these. So no matter how professional, dedicated or determined somebody considers themselves, the true personal values are demonstrated through actions. So if you've got a clearly set, a, a clearly defined set of core values, you need to be observing all the way through this recruitment process. There is little hints and things that you can pick up on as you go through. So why is it important? So again, let's just go through the reasons why it would be important to recruit on a value-based basis. It would lead to a progressive and a healthy work environment because a positive work culture does keep employees motivated and productive. They can enjoy their work. They can stick to the job. This then translates into employee satisfaction, better performance, higher retention. It improves productivity. There's better staff morale. Staff morale is really important um, to help employees feel valued within a, com uh, within a company. If they are more confident, they're more willing to deal with challenges, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. If you've got decreased um, employee turnover, it makes employees feel important, feel valued. They then tend to work with you for a longer period of time. They become more engaged. So what else can you do? So if you've now written your job description and you've been clear in that process and you've slip, slipped in some infusement of those core values, you then go through the, the process of selection. You would then do, usually you would do one of, one of a few things. Now, the most traditional way of doing um, the next stage would be through interview. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing an interview whatsoever. However, there are other things that you can do as well in combination with that. So the first thing is about interview. So you can do an interview, a standard interview. You can do personality questionnaires. Some people may have heard of DISC, 16PF, MBTI. This is about personality and determining perspectives of an applicant. Those kind of tools do usually cost money though. So um, for example, you could get a, a DISC profile done of a potential um, employee from as little as about £50, you can get those done through us at Cochrane & Co as well. If you um, if you wanted to get in touch about that, we can go through those with you. You could also do a set of cognitive tests. So these are things like brain games, puzzles. These are usually very good for asking or finding out whether a, a good candidate is 
understanding instruction and solving critical problems. You could do a situational assessment. So you could put them into a high pressure situation. For example, we were once uh, recruiting for an admin assistant and partway through that interview, um, we requested that the interviewee answered the next telephone call that came in. That process actually resulted in us very quickly dismissing, taking on the leading candidates because they didn't work under pressure. You could also do role play as well. There's a role play that you could do. So, for example, um, ask them to sell you something if they're going into a sales role. You could have on-the-job assessments if they say they can scribe skirting boards and cut mitres etc there's no there's no nothing wrong with them showing you how they can do that you can use a number of different combinations for that but i would always recommend that you combine a traditional interview with something else whether it is that role play whether it is doing a personality questionnaire whether it is doing you know a judgment-based assessment they will give you a really good insight into how your potential candidate is going to perform. So what's next? The easiest thing that I can advise is that you need to be brutal and don't worry about hurting someone's feelings. I know that is so difficult for so many people and one person included in that. You've got to remember that this person that you are recruiting for has to be the perfect long-term fit for you and your business. It would cost you so much more money in the long run if you get it incorrect. If you don't feel it, trust your instincts. Challenge your instincts around something. If it, if it doesn't just feel right, there's usually a reason why. If someone looks too good to be true on paper, there's usually a reason why. And again, if you're looking for a particular skill, ask them to demonstrate it. There is nothing worse than asking somebody, for example, to put together a very simple database using Excel and they not know how to use Excel, even though they've said in the interview that they are used to such program. It's infuriating. So take your time, practice your patience, know your numbers. The other tip I've got as well is pay a little bit more. Now, we've got to be very careful of this because actually it's become apparent in the last few years that skilled workers have cottoned onto this skills shortage. So they're actually demanding higher and higher rates in terms of day rates, hourly rate, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There isn't anything wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. However, it is putting immense pressure on the construction industry as a whole. But if you can, always pay a little bit more than you'd normally anticipate paying. And if you can, introduce a bonus structure, a bonus structure that is at the heart of what they do as well. So it doesn't always have to be monetary. It could be simply a bonus structure around the importance of having more time off, having more flexible working. Actually, the ONS published a, a journal maybe about a year ago, just at the back end of COVID. And the number one thing that new construction workers are requesting is flexible working. Now, that's really interesting because most other industries have been able to do that and demonstrated that really, really well. It seems to be a little bit more tricky in this industry, or is it? We have a member of our team that absolutely loves playing golf. Now, this member of staff will go above and beyond on every single day of the week, but categorically will not work past three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon 
because that is the day that he goes to golf. He categorically will not work on a Saturday because that is his day for golf. Now, for some people, having that flexibility of working is bigger than any form of monetary bonus. So again, really consider how you're going to package something up based on what you know about that candidate and what you can offer them that can set you above from everybody else. We've done podcasts already about delivery and how to increase and add value to your client experiences. This is about thinking outside the box and doing the same for your employees and the new candidates that you're trying to recruit for. It's interesting. It's an interesting way of being able to recruit. Now, this is just a very, very quick overview of how to recruit using this method. This process, when we do this for our own clients, can usually take two or three days because core values are part of the the value system about vision and mission. It does take a while to actually get this down on paper to really understand what you're about and what makes you tick. But if you can get this right, your staff retention rates are much are much greater. You can attract the right candidates. And in essence, your business will flourish with the right team, with the right people. Now, this isn't going to be an easy few years, I don't think, for the industry. And the, the labor pool is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So it's just going through a different approach to this recruitment. So I'm going to finish the podcast there and I hope I haven't bored you all to tears because this is a huge issue in the industry at the moment. And we have to start thinking of different ways of being able to recruit and retain our staff. The historical ways of doing this have to finish and, they ha- and we have to move on from these. We have to go with the time. So the last piece of advice I'm going to give is to potentially look at a book in a book called Simon Sinek, which is called Start With Why. Now, if you haven't read this book, it is awesome. It will give you an insight into understanding core values, understanding your why, understanding your vision, and how that has an effect on the recruitment of your team. So I hope that helps, and I will leave it at that. Thank you so much for listening to the Woodfork podcast. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockerellandco.co.uk. That's cockerellandco.co.uk. We also have an Instagram account, which is Cockerell and Co. And also we are on Facebook. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you here again soon.